Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast, uh, Xi Jinping's China. I'm Amber and I'm here with my co-hosts, Ethan, Noah, Sean, and Maria. Last time we went over Chinese culture, economy, and leadership. Today we're going to be diving into the political culture of China by covering a wide variety of topics ranging from the NBA to Winnie the Pooh to South Park. Along the way, we'll be connecting these topics to AP comparative government themes. Throughout this episode, you'll hear us discussing discussing different topics, dropping knowledge, and debating various issues. All of our discussions are data-driven, and the opinions you hear are rooted in evidence and first-hand experiences. In this episode, we're going to have a strong focus on censorship and what that looks like in the Chinese government, as well as what impacts it has on its people. Let's get into it. So to start us off, I wanted to bring up a popular story that arose a couple of years ago regarding the NBA. LeBron James has a history of refusing to make uh, political statements when he's called to speak. First, he refused to state his opinion on the verdict of the killing of Tamir Rice, sparking outrage among activists and reporters. Three years later, James was under fire for his response to pro-democracy protests occurring in China. When he was asked for his response to the protests, James states that we have to just be careful what we tweet and say, and we do. Even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be a lot of negative that comes with that too. And his vague answer was not the reaction that people were hoping for. Around the same time, the Rockets general manager made a post saying, flight for freedom, stand for Hong Kong. That was a clear and bold statement, which the American reporters loved. However, this tweet got the Rockets games banned in China. Not only that, but the Rockets merchandise and sportswear were immediately banned from sale as well. James's refusal to make bold statements to the press may indicate a fear of the culture of censorship that exists so heavily in China. There have been threats of breaking the endorsements for basketball players with Chinese companies and a heavy regulation of media regarding all things NBA. These threats became more than a problem with activism, but bring companies to question if it's worth losing millions of dollars in revenue to speak their minds on certain issues. This brings in the idea of capitalism, where businesses have to be cautious not to lose money no matter what the cause may be. The NBA has to walk a very thin line when it comes to what they say and what they do. This explains James's hesitancy to make a bold statement, something that many Mer- Americans don't understand. Um, in America, the freedom of speech is not readily questioned, except in certain situations that may arise. We don't face censorship on a day-to-day basis as much as the Chinese do. We can see that in China, it's entirely different. Um, human rights are at stake, causing businesses, business relations with China and the United States to flail. Many, un- many dislike LeBron James's response to the situation in China, but fail to understand the consequences that may have come with him making a different statement. Now we're going to hear from Ethan. Yeah, so I can actually remember this story and sort of when it first broke. Um, for whatever reason, right when this news was breaking, I had ESPN on, and the segment regarding the comments made in relation to the protests in Hong Kong popped up. And sort of looking at this situation, I think it is important to know two sections of the story. First and foremost, we should look at the situation with Hong Kong and the way in which China is handled, because I think it's pretty indicative of the political environment there, as well as the level of political participation that's allowed by the Xi Jinping regime. Obviously, China is under authoritarian rule, and the reality of the situation is that a lot of freedoms that we have here don't really exist under that regime. The second portion that I would focus on is through uh, is the way that China responded to the tweet by Rockets GM Daryl Morey. The fact that a tweet immediately caused the banning of all Rockets basketball events as well shows just how serious censorship can become when showing opposition to the communist regime in China. 
I sort of compare this to a story that we discussed in class one day about a woman who was thinking of running for a political spot, I'm pretty sure. Um, and because she held ideals that were not in line with the Communist Party, um, there were police stationed around her house preventing her from doing so. This sort of censorship and political climate, I think, can only be comparable in one of the other CP6 countries, and this would be Russia under Vladimir Putin. The reality of these situations are the democratic countries like the United Kingdom will generally have these freedoms and some protection of these freedoms in place. However, things like this are also an issue in Russia because of the iron grip that Putin tries to exercise over both the political climate and what is said regarding his regime. What do you think about the situation, Noah? Yeah, those are all great points, Ethan. Um, the level of censorship and control exercised by the Chinese government here is just, it's insane and absurd. Um, the, total te- the totalitarian control of what kind of media their people are able to consume, it's, it's just a whole different world than what we're used to here in America. And it can be hard to truly understand what's happening uh, in China. As someone who gets frustrated over simple MLB blackouts here in America, I can't even imagine how I would feel knowing that readily available sports sports programming was being withheld from me due to the political agenda of our government. I think that this cultural difference between America and China is perfectly summed up uh, by the comments made by Rockets GM, uh, Darlin Mori, and the impact they had. In America, his tweets are simply free speech, and he was within his rights to say what he said and to think what he thinks. Um, In China, the massive fallout his words have created just goes to show how sensitive and controlling their government is. And I think the most telling thing about the whole situation is the way other Chinese-based companies responded, including the Chinese Basketball Association. These aren't, these aren't like members of the government, yet they react in the same way. They pulled their sponsorship from the NBA. They spoke out against the comments made by this GM. And I think it's just so, so telling how much control the Chinese government has over its people that the companies and organizations within China react the same way. Um, these morals and ideas held by the Chinese government has seeped into their companies and these companies own morals and ideals. And it just shows how strong the influence is of China. I would also have to agree with you that the only CP6 country that is even comparable to China uh, in this situation is Russia. They both have total control um, in their, within their government and they control many aspects of their citizens' lives. And no other CP6 country is even comparable to the level of control China and Russia have. Um, now we're going to move on to a different uh, topic with Sean. Yeah, so obviously that's definitely a hard topic to deal with, but now we're moving sort of to a lighter segment. Um, I'm going to be bringing up South Park, actually. So after seeing the criticism that the Chinese government face, along with the major U.S. corporations that face in this particular instance, in the NBA instance, uh, in late 2019, the creators of South Park, Trey Stone and Matt Parker, decided to criticize the Chinese Communist Party by making its censors part of a satire of its empathy episodes called Banned in China. Uh, This episode made fun of the many U.S. corporations that were not willing to take a stand against the censorship that's extremely prevalent in China, along with the obviously um, terrible camps that were within like the same league as concentration camps. Um, They really dig into uh, Disney along with uh, the NBA and were ultimately successful in getting themselves banned in China. Uh, The episode starts off with Randy Marsh, the main protagonist, trying to get more money for his newfound marijuana farm. He put two and two together and thought that with all the people 
in China, and he should be able to go ahead and get a giant market there. He ends up traveling to China and finds out that there's a lot of people with the same exact idea, including LeBron James, James Harden, and Thor. And after landing in China, he obviously gets arrested because he's carrying marijuana and ends up getting put in jail. But it's more like a propagated work camp where they're forced to uh, do the Communist Party. Communist Party's biddings, and Winnie the Pooh is actually one of the prisoners along with him, and he speaks out against the government after because he's saying that you shouldn't be treating these people like this. Randy Marsh is, in general, a very naive character in this, and he ends up changing the minds of the Chinese Communist Party, but angers Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse really wants all the money that China would bring to him, and in order to tone atone for his mistakes, Randy ends up murdering Winnie the Pooh. Obviously, this is satire, but after all this, China was banned South Park from everything, and will never、uh, make another appearance in China again. And honestly, it made me respect the creators of South Park a whole lot more. And after getting banned. This is the statement that they released on Twitter, satirizing the situation, saying, "Quote: Like the NBA, we welcome the Chinese censors into our homes and into our hearts. We too love money more than freedom and democracy. Chi doesn't look like Winnie the Pooh at all. Tune into our 300th episode this Wednesday at 10. Long live the Great Communist Party of China. May this autumn sorghum harvest be bountiful. We good now, China." Unquote. And obviously, these are some smart, pretty funny guys with principles, and I respect them a lot. I was really proud to see these guys take a stand to the very oppressive regime that seemingly、um, it seems to be. They are the only people that thought that the principles of freedom were、uh, bigger than money. So, Maria, what do you think about this whole situation? Yeah, so I mean, this shouldn't really be surprising that China has banned not only this episode, but has made most South Park episodes and reviews unavailable online in China. In this episode, we see Randy mocking the Communist Party, something that the Chinese government obviously does not want their people to learn about and act in that same way. As we all know, China, China does not want their people to voice their opinions and go against the government, something we are so used to doing here in America. And the protests present in several other countries, such as in the United Kingdom,、um, they're protesting now、um, the Kill the Bill protests, and they've been occurring in the past month or so. China is not a democracy, as we've already previously stated. It does not want the people to interfere with the government. South Park was blocked on all platforms, especially on social media. Which again should be no surprise. When I lived in China a few years ago, I specifically remember I really didn't feel any of this authoritarian government in my daily life, but it did affect what I was able to watch on TV and what I was able to access. I remember we weren't allowed to watch YouTube, Netflix, Google, or use Facebook, as in you literally could not look it up when you opened a browsing source. You needed a VPN, a virtual private network, to allow you to access these network sources that were inaccessible for. Public internet from the public internet. Sorry, if we just think about all that there is on the internet, although we can access on Google, if Chinese people have access to all this information, they're obviously not going to abide by the government. They're instead going to start questioning why Xi Jinping's regime acts the way they act and why they have such little individuality and differences when it comes to their political views. In a way, Chinese people's lives are so much simpler. We are used to questioning everything, and we are actually encouraged from a young age to have an opinion. But in China, it's the complete opposite. 
I remember seeing firsthand how important it was for Chinese parents that their children acted the same way that others acted, and for them to not stand out against their other classmates. Moreover, as we saw in the episode, um, Xi Jinping is actually compared to Winnie the Pig, and um, Piglet states that they're actually having to ban the episode because Xi Jinping didn't like that comparison. Um, and that's actually kind of funny if you look at it from our perspective, because memes are something that we're, that are so common in our countries. Um, like, how many memes have we seen about Boris Johnson's hair, and about Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, and even Donald Trump's hair? This is common in democratic countries. However, Xi Jinping does not agree and does not want that to happen in his country. His response to something he doesn't like or something that he doesn't want is to simply block it. And I mean, he has the power to do so and the power to blind his people. And so he does this exact thing. Yeah, those are some great points, Maria. Um, as a fan of South Park myself, it's so interesting uh, for me to see the impact this episode had, both in America and in China. Regardless of whether you enjoy the show and its type of comedy or not, this episode is an incredibly smart and witty take, not only on their situation, but on the overall relations between China and America, and Chinese and American companies as a whole. For those of you looking to get a better understanding of Chinese-American relations and censorship in China, I would recommend watching this episode um, and really just uh, taking it in and realizing the creative take they take on it. The crass humor may not appeal to you, but the insight it provides is wonderful. Even on the second and third watch-throughs of the episode, many of the jokes have gone right over my head. But I think that studying China as a CP6 country and as a nation has made it easier for me to understand some of the jokes found within the episode. Maria, I think it's so interesting that you have first-hand understanding of how China operates as a nation to its people as you lived there when you were younger. It's crazy to think about how much work you had to put in just to watch Netflix or use Google. It's a whole different world to me. And I think that um, after studying this, we shouldn't take what we have here in America for granted. And we should appreciate the levels of freedom we have. While we do have a lot of issues, I think it's important to understand where we stand in the world and the type of freedoms we have that other countries don't get to enjoy. Now we're moving on to our third segment. So yeah, in this segment, we're getting a little bit more serious, moving away from cartoons, um, talking yet again about freedoms in China. So in the last week, we've actually found out that Jimmy Lei was sentenced to 14 months for pre-democracy protests in Hong Kong after being found guilty of unauthorized assembly. Jimmy Lei, founder of the Apple Daily, Daily Tabloid of age 73, was one of the many activists that were found guilty of charges relating to the pro-democracy protests that occurred three years ago in 2019. He was an avid critic of Beijing, Hong Kong, and mainland, China, mainland Chinese leadership. In Hong Kong, he is seen as a hero. In the mainland, he is viewed as a traitor who threatens Chinese national security. I mean, this really shouldn't be no surprise again. Um, the people in China are reading filtered, um, filtered news sources and filtered articles that the government wants them to see. So it's obvious that he's going to be seen kind of as a malicious um, character in the mainland. This verdict of his sentencing comes after the mainland is continuing, continuing to restrict rights and freedoms in Hong Kong. Earlier this week, he published a handwritten letter from prison in the Apple Daily, which read, 
It is our quote as journalists to seek justice. As long as we are not blinded by unjust temptations, as long as we do not let evil get its way through us, we are fulfilling our responsibility. Clearly, Mr. Lay does not fear the government, actually goes on to gain confidence in more efforts to fight back against their censorships and restrictions. Martin Lee, another man of age 82, the oldest defendant, is considered the father of democracy in Hong Kong, as he is the founding chairman of the Demo- Democratic Party. He was also tried for this exact reason. The court was actually filled with several supporters, surprisingly. Margaret N.G., another man of age 73, a barrister who served as a lawmaker for several decades, delivered a speech adding a powerful quote from Thomas More, who was executed by King Henry VII. She said, I stand the law's good servant, but the people's first. For the law must serve the people, not the people the law. This really impacted the field court and again was reciprocated by applause. The judge's response was that all actions have consequences, independent from who the said people tried are. In addition to their charges for the 2019 protests, the pro-democracy campaigners were also already were also found guilty of unauthorized assembly earlier this month. They argued that freedom of assembly is protected under Hong Kong's constitution. However, the prosecution argued that freedom of assembly was not absolute in Hong Kong. Freedom in absolute is when there is nothing that can hold you back from acting in that certain way. The law enacted in June by Beijing was a response to the protests that turned violent in 2019. This law is said to target sedition and bring stability. Since the law was enacted, around 100 people have been arrested. Yeah, thanks, Maria, for all that great insight um, on that situation. Um, In other recent news in China, um, we now move over to the economy. Despite everything that has been going on, China's economy has actually grown 18.3% in the first quarter of 2021. This is a strong sign that there is a comeback brewing in regards to the economy. With this comeback will come the historical fuel of this growth, burning coal, gas, and oil. So this will again bring to the forefront grappling with the problem of climate change. China has promised to freeze the growth in its emissions by 2030 and is hoping to freeze them even earlier, I think by 2025 or 2028 is what the article said. Um, EU nations are also encouraging China to halt funding of new power plants in poorer countries because they believe if more countries go down the, quote, polluting path, the world and environment will suffer. This comeback will no doubt bring that issue into focus again, but in terms of the actual movement, it looks like it will slow down as the year goes on. Nonetheless, this growth is a very good sign for the country as as the whole world begins to come out of the other side of the pandemic, and I'm sure President Xi will be looking to continue this growth for years to come. Amber and Sean, what do you guys think about these current events? Yeah, so in regards to Jimmy Lai's arrest, um, I think that this tells us a lot about the Chinese uh, government and how they handle questions towards authority. Uh, Lei was not the only one found guilty of charges relating to the pro-democracy demonstrations, and as he says, it's, he believes that it's his responsibility to seek justice. In the United States, we think of freedom as a, uh, of speech as a right rather than a privilege. Uh, we can easily go online and state of our opinion or go to a protest and fight for what we believe in without the fear of, be- of facing harsh repercussions from the government. In China, though, it's completely different. While there were some supporters um, for those who were tried, the government was strict with their verdict. In China, some rights and freedoms are protected, however, they're not guaranteed. We've gone in a little bit into depth about how this political climate is similar to that of Russia's. 
This is seen so clearly here, where the Constitution and the laws are easily malleable, and the government can use it to their liking. This event also demonstrates a large shift in the political climate of China. Just a few months ago, Hong Kong's ruling was much different than that of the rest of China's. Hong Kong used to have many freedoms that the rest of China lacked. Now Xi Jinping has has clearly made the executive decision that Hong Kong will be ruled like the rest of China, with no room for debating the government ideals. Following the rest, supporters of the sentenced uh, Democratic protesters showed their support by buying copies of the Apple Daily. Lay's arrest is a continuation of the Chinese people's long battle for democratic freedom and human rights, and it's clear that these activists are becoming more and more determined each day. Sean? Yeah, I agree completely with Amber in these instances. Um, It's definitely uh, a blessing in disguise, maybe not even in disguise, but it's a blessing that we have and are able to have freedoms and are able to speak out. But to me, the unfair and harsh treatment of citizens has definitely become something that you can expect out of the East ever since the start of the Soviet Union. I think that one of the main issues is that the people in power in the East, like in China and Russia, have been willing to do anything because the ends will always be able to justify the means. This was obvious in the Soviet Union for years, and it has sort of become the unofficial slogan for any communist party that has taken root ever since the start of the 20th century. I say this because there's a very similar situation with the political disaster in China that is Russia right now. Uh, Alexei Navalny is almost dead and has been poisoned maybe once or twice and probably will be dead soon just for pointing out the inconsistencies and exploitation that Putin has pitted against the Russian people. Putin has been willing to be corrupt but staying in, by staying in power because he is doing everything for quote the security of Russia and the good of the people while he's actively stealing um, maybe a regime change is necessary right now, but it could also just cause the destruction of the country. And Putin recognizes it and uses that as fear to justify anything that he does. And this is very similar to me, um, to the Uyghur camps in China, as they're putting people that they see as descent to the party and work camps along with the Uyghur Muslims, um, because they fundamentally disagree with how China is being run at this point, and they're on par with concentration camps, and that's honestly one of the biggest disasters of our time right now, and it's all just for the security of the Chinese Communist Party. The saying the ends justify the means in this situation is crazy, yet many supporters of the party are not willing to speak out against it because of the possible repercussions that they face, very similar to the repercussions that one could face in Russia for speaking out against Putin. It really is a tragic situation, and hopefully true freedoms can be realized soon. Ethan? In order to close everything out, um, as we promised at the end of that first episode of Xi Jinping's China, we went through covering relevant topics from all over the news spectrum in China. We talked about the comeback economy, the reactions to a show, and even a tweet, and compared them to uh, CPC countries along the way. We even brought to light three units of AP comparative government that we were highlighting with regards to these stories. To sort of close, I think one of the things to look at with a lot of the stuff that we, we kind of said throughout is that um, it can most many of the actions of the Chinese government can most nearly be compared uh, with Russia and Putin's regime. The way in which the two countries are ruled and what happens are distinct in many ways, um, but there are many similarities in the way situations are handled. However, a lot of the other CP6 countries are a little harder to compare with, and that speaks to the very different political climate in China as opposed to many other places. Um, Looking onward to our third and final episode, um, we'll be sort of bringing in our big conclusions and the biggest things that we learned as a result of doing this podcast. 
I'm sure I can speak for everyone when I say that it has definitely been an interesting experience that, and that we were able to accomplish our goals. And we're just hoping you guys all learned a little something as well as you listened in. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast, Asian Pinks China, and we hope you tune in next week. Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast, uh, Xi Jinping's China. I'm Amber, and I'm here with my co-hosts Ethan, Noah, Sean, and Maria. Last time we went over Chinese culture, economy, and leadership. Today we're going to be diving into the political culture of China by covering a wide variety of topics, ranging from the NBA to Winnie the Pooh to South Park. Along the way, we'll be connecting these topics to AP comparative government themes. Throughout this episode, you'll hear us discussing. Discussing different topics, dropping knowledge, and debating various issues. All of our discussions are data-driven, and the opinions you hear are rooted in evidence and first-hand experiences. In this episode, we're going to have a strong focus on censorship and what that looks like in the Chinese government, as well as what impacts it has on its people. Let's get into it. So to start us off, I wanted to bring up a popular story that arose a couple of years ago regarding the NBA. LeBron James has a history of refusing to make、uh, political statements when he's called to speak. First, he refused to state his opinion on the verdict of the killing of Tamir Rice, sparking outrage among activists and reporters. Three years later, James was under fire for his response to pro-democracy protests occurring in China. When he was asked for his response to the protests, James states that we have to just be careful what we tweet and say, and we do. Even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech. But there can be a lot of negative that comes with that too, and his vague re- answer was not the reaction that people were hoping for. Around the same time, the Rockets' general manager made a post saying, "Flight for freedom, stand for Hong Kong." That was a clear and bold statement, which the American reporters loved. However, this tweet got the Rockets' games banned in China. Not only that, but the Rockets' merchandise and sportswear were immediately banned from sale as well. James's refusal to make bold statements to the press may indicate a fear of the culture of censorship that exists so heavily in China. There have been threats of breaking the endorsements for basketball players with Chinese companies and a heavy regulation of media regarding all things NBA. These threats became more than a problem with activism, but bring companies to question if it's worth losing millions of dollars in revenue to speak their minds on certain issues. This brings in the idea of capitalism, where businesses have to be cautious not to lose money, no matter what the cause may be. The NBA has to walk a very thin line when it comes to what they say and what they do. This explains James's hesitancy to make a bold statement, something that many Mer- Americans don't understand.、Um, in America, the freedom of speech is not readily questioned, except in certain situations that may arise. We don't face censorship on a day-to-day basis as much as the Chinese do. We can see that in China, it's entirely different. Um, human rights are at stake, causing businesses, business relations with China and the United States to flail. Many, un- many dislike LeBron James's response to the situation in China, but fail to understand the consequences that may have come with him making a different statement. Now we're going to hear from Ethan. Yeah, so I can actually remember this story and sort of when it first broke.、Um, for whatever reason, right when this news was breaking, I had ESPN on. And the segment regarding the comments made in relation to the protests in Hong Kong popped up. And sort of looking at this situation, I think it is important to note two sections of the story. First and foremost, we should look at the situation with Hong Kong and the way in which China is handled, because I think it's pretty indicative of the political environment there, as well as the level of political participation that is allowed by the Xi Jinping regime. 
obviously China is under authoritarian rule, and the reality of the situation is that a lot of freedoms that we have here don't really exist under that regime. Second portion that I would focus on is through uh, is the way that China responded to the tweet by Rockets GM Daryl Morey. The fact that a tweet immediately caused the banning of all Rockets basketball events as well shows just how serious censorship can become when showing opposition to the communist regime in China. I sort of compare this to a story that we discussed in class one day about a woman who was thinking of running for a political spot. I'm pretty sure. Um, and because she held ideals that were not in line with the Communist Party,、um, there were police stationed around her house, preventing her from doing so. This sort of censorship and political climate, I think, can only be comparable in one of the other CP6 countries, and this would be Russia under Vladimir Putin. The reality of these situations are that democratic countries like the United Kingdom will generally have these freedoms and some protection of these freedoms in place. However, things like this are also an issue in Russia because of the iron grip that Putin tries to exercise over both the political climate and what is said regarding his regime. What do you think about this situation, Noah? Yeah, those are all great points, Ethan.、Um, the level of censorship and control exercised by the Chinese government here is just—it's insane and absurd.、Um, the total—the totalitarian control of what kind of media their people are able to consume. It's it's just a whole different world than what we're used to here in America, and it can be hard to truly understand what's happening、um, in China. As someone who gets frustrated over simple MLB blackouts here in America, I can't even imagine how I would feel knowing that readily available sports program sports programming was being withheld from me due to the political agenda of our government. I think that this cultural difference between America and China is perfectly summed up、uh, by the comments made by Rockets GM. Uh, Darling Mori,、uh, and the impact they had in America, his tweets are simply free speech, and he was within his rights to say what he said and to think what he thinks.、Um, in China, the massive fallout his words have created just goes to show how sensitive and controlling their government is. And I think the most telling thing about the whole situation is the way other Chinese-based companies responded, including the Chinese Basketball Association. These aren't these aren't like members of the government, yet they react in the same way. They pulled their sponsorship from the NBA. They spoke out against the comments made by this GM, and I think it's just so so telling how much control the Chinese government has over its people that the companies and organizations within China react the same way.、Um, these morals and ideas held by the Chinese government has seeped into their companies and these companies' own morals and ideals, and it just shows how strong the influence is of China. I would also have to agree with you that the only CP6 country that is even comparable to China、uh, in this situation is Russia. They both have total control、um, in their within their government, and they control many aspects of their citizens' lives. And no other CP6 country is even comparable to the level of control China and Russia have.、Um, now we're going to move on to a different、uh, topic with Sean. Yeah, so obviously that's definitely a hard topic to deal with. But now we're moving sort of to a lighter segment.、Um, I'm going to be bringing up South Park, actually. So after seeing the criticism that the Chinese government faced, along with the major U.S. corporations that face in this particular instance, in the NBA instance,、uh, in late 2019, the creators of South Park, Trey Stone and Matt Parker, decided to criticize the Chinese Communist Party by making its censors part of a satire of its empathy. Episodes 
called Banned in China. Uh, this episode made fun of the many co- U.S. corporations that were not willing to take a stand against the censorship that's extremely prevalent in China, along with the obviously um, terrible camps that were within like the same league as concentration camps. Um, they really dig into uh, Disney along with uh, the NBA and are were ultimately successful in getting themselves banned in China. Uh, the episode starts off with Randy Marsh, the main protagonist, trying to get more money for his newfound marijuana farm. He put two and two together and thought that with all the people in China, he should be able to go ahead and get a giant market there. He ends up traveling to China and finds out that there's a lot of people with the same exact idea, including LeBron James, James Harden, and Thor. And after landing in China, he obviously gets arrested because he's carrying marijuana and ends up getting put in jail but it's more like a propagated work camp where they're forced to uh do the communist party communist party's biddings and winnie the pooh is actually one of the prisoners along with him and he speaks out against the government after because he's saying that you shouldn't be treating these people like this randy marsh is in general a very naive character in this and he ends up changing the minds of the Chinese Communist Party, but angers Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse really wants all the money that China would bring to him. And in order to atone for his mistakes, Randy ends up murdering Winnie the Pooh. Obviously, this is satire, but after all this, China was banned South Park from everything and will never uh, make another appearance in China again. And honestly, it made me respect the creators of South Park a whole lot more. And after getting banned, this is the statement that they released on Twitter satirizing the situation saying, quote, like the NBA, we welcome the Chinese censors into our homes and into our hearts. We too love money more than freedom and democracy. Chi doesn't look like Winnie the Pooh at all. Tune into our 300 episode this Wednesday at 10. Long live the great Communist Party of China. May this autumn sorghum harvest be bountiful. We good now, China? Unquote. And obviously, these are some smart, pretty funny guys with principles, and I respect them a lot. I was really proud to see these guys take a stand to the very oppressive regime that seemingly, um, it seems to be, they are the only people that thought that the principles of freedom were... Uh, bigger than money. So, Maria, what do you think about this whole situation? Yeah, so, I mean, this shouldn't really be surprising that China has banned not only this episode, but has made most South Park episodes and reviews unavailable online in China. In this episode, we see Randy mocking the Communist Party, something that the Chinese government obviously does not want their people to learn about and act in that same way. As we all know, China, China does not want their people to voice their opinions and go against the government. Something we are so used to doing here in America and the protests present in several other countries, such as in the United Kingdom, um, they're protesting now um, the Kill the Bill protests, and they've been occurring in the past month or so. China is not a democracy, as we've already previously stated. It does not want the people to interfere with the government. South Park was blocked on all platforms, especially on social media, which again, should be no surprise. When I lived in China a few years ago, I specifically remember I really didn't feel any of this authoritarian government in my daily life, but it did affect what I was able to watch on TV and what I was able to access. I remember we weren't allowed to watch YouTube, Netflix, Google, or use Facebook, as in you literally could not look it up when you opened a browsing source. You needed a VPN, a virtual private network, 
to allow you to access these network sources that were inaccessible for the public internet. From the public internet, sorry. If we just think about all that there is on the internet, although we can access on Google, if Chinese people have access to all this information, they're obviously not going to abide by the government. They're instead going to start questioning why Xi Jinping's regime acts the way they act and why they have such little individuality and differences when it comes to their political views. In a way, Chinese people's lives are so much simpler. We are used to questioning everything and we are actually encouraged from a young age to have an opinion. But in China, it's the complete opposite. I remember seeing firsthand how important it was for Chinese parents that their children acted the same way that others acted and for them to not stand out against their other classmates. Moreover, as we saw in the episode, um, Xi Jinping is actually compared to Winnie the Pig and um, Piglet states that they're actually having to ban the episode because Xi Jinping didn't like that comparison. Um, and that's actually kind of funny if you look at it from our perspective, because memes are something that we're, that are so common in our countries. Um, like how many memes have we seen about Boris Johnson's hair and about Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador and even Donald Trump's hair? This is common in democratic countries. However, Xi Jinping does not agree and does not want that to happen in his country. His response to something he doesn't like or something that he doesn't want is to simply block it. And I mean, he has the power to do so and the power to blind his people. And so he does this exact thing. Yeah, those are some great points, Maria. Um, as a fan of South Park myself, it's so interesting uh, for me to see the impact this episode had both in America and in China. Regardless of whether you enjoy the show and its type of comedy or not, this episode is an incredibly smart and witty take, not only on their situation, but on the overall relations between China and America and Chinese and American companies as a whole. For those of you looking to get a better understanding of Chinese-American relations and censorship in China, I would recommend watching this episode um, and really just uh, taking it in and realizing the creative take they take on it. The crass humor may not appeal to you, but the insight it provides is wonderful. Even on the second and third watch-throughs of the episode, many of the jokes have gone right over my head. But I think that studying China as a CP6 country and as a nation has made it easier for me to understand some of the jokes found within the episode. Maria, I think it's so interesting that you have first-hand understanding of how China operates as a nation to its people as you lived there when you were younger. It's crazy to think about how much work you had to put in just to watch Netflix or use Google. It's a whole different world to me. And I think that um, after studying this, we shouldn't take what we have here in America for granted. And we should appreciate the levels of freedom we have. While we do have a lot of issues, I think it's important to understand where we stand in the world and the type of freedoms we have that other countries don't get to enjoy. Now we're moving on to our third segment. So yeah, in this segment, it's, we're getting a little bit more serious, moving away from cartoons, um, talking yet again about freedoms in China. So in the last week, we've actually found out that Jimmy Lei was sentenced to 14 months for pre-democracy protests in Hong Kong after being found guilty of unauthorized assembly. Jimmy Lei, founder of the Apple Daily, Daily Tabloid of age 73, was one of the many activists that were found guilty of charges relating to the pro-democracy protests that occurred three years ago in 2019. He was an avid critic of Beijing, Hong Kong, and mainland, China, mainland Chinese leadership. In Hong Kong, he is seen as a hero. 
But in the mainland, he is viewed as a traitor who threatens Chinese national security. I mean, this really shouldn't be no surprise again. Um, the people in China are reading filtered um, filtered news sources and filtered articles that the government wants them to see. So it's obvious that he's going to be seen kind of as a malicious um, character in the mainland. This verdict of his sentencing comes after the mainland is continuing, continuing to restrict rights and freedoms in Hong Kong. Earlier this week, he published a handwritten letter from prison in the Apple Daily, which read, It is our quote as journalists to seek justice. As long as we are not blinded by unjust temptations, as long as we do not let evil get its way through us, we are fulfilling our responsibility. Clearly, Mr. Lei does not fear the government, actually goes on to gain confidence and more efforts to fight back against their censorships and restrictions. Martin Lee, another man of age 82, the oldest defendant, is considered the father of democracy in Hong Kong, as he is the founding chairman of the Democratic Party. He was also tried for this exact reason. The court was actually filled with several supporters, surprisingly. Margaret N.G., another man of age 73, a barrister who served as a lawmaker for several decades, delivered a speech adding a powerful quote from Thomas More, who was executed by King Henry VII. She said, I stand the law's good servant, but the people's first. For the law must serve the people, not the people the law. This really impacted the field court and again was reciprocated by applause. The judge's response was that all actions have consequences, independent from who the said people tried are. In addition to their charges for the 2019 protests, the pro-democracy campaigners were also already were also found guilty of unauthorized assembly earlier this month. They argued that freedom of assembly is protected under Hong Kong's constitution. However, the prosecution argued that freedom of assembly was not absolute in Hong Kong. Freedom in absolute is when there's nothing that can hold you back from acting in that certain way. The law enacted in June by Beijing was a response to the protests that turned violent in 2019. This law is said to target sedition and bring stability. Since the law was enacted, around 100 people have been arrested. Yeah, thanks, Maria, for all that great insight um, on that situation. Um, in other recent news in China, um, we now move over to the economy. Despite everything that has been going on, China's economy has actually grown 18.3% in the first quarter of 2021. This is a strong sign that there is a comeback brewing in regards to the economy. With this comeback will come the historical fuel of this growth, burning coal, gas, and oil. So this will again bring to the forefront grappling with the problem of climate change. China has promised to freeze the growth in its emissions by 2030 and is hoping to freeze them even earlier, I think by 2025 or 2028 is what the article said. Um, EU nations are also encouraging China to halt funding of new power plants in poorer countries because they believe if more countries go down the, quote, polluting path, the world and environment will suffer. This comeback will no doubt bring that issue into focus again, but in terms of the actual movement, it looks like it will slow down as the year goes on. Nonetheless, this growth is a very good sign for the country as, a whole, as the whole world begins to come out of the other side of the pandemic, and I'm sure President Xi will be looking to continue this growth for years to come. Amber and Sean, what do you guys think about these current events? Yeah, so in regards to Jimmy Lai's arrest, um, I think that this tells us a lot about the Chinese uh, government and how they handle questions towards authority. Uh, Lei was not the only one found guilty of charges relating to the pro-democracy demonstrations, and as he says, it's he believes that it's his responsibility to seek justice. In the United States, we think of freedom as a 
of speech as a right rather than a privilege. Uh, we can easily go online and say of our opinion or go to a protest and fight for what we believe in without the fear of, be- of facing harsh repercussions from the government. In China, though, it's completely different. While there were some supporters um, for those who were tried, the government was strict with their verdict. In China, some rights and freedoms are protected, however, they're not guaranteed. We've gone in a little bit into depth about how this political climate is similar to that of Russia's. This is seen so clearly here, where the constitution and the laws are easily malleable and the government can use it to their liking. This event also demonstrates a large shift in the political climate of China. Just a few months ago, Hong Kong's ruling was much different than that of the rest of China's. Hong Kong used to have many freedoms that the rest of China lacked. Now Xi Jinping has has clearly made the executive decision that Hong Kong will be ruled like the rest of China, with no room for debating the government ideals. Following the rest, supporters of the sentenced uh, Democratic protesters showed their support by buying copies of the Apple Daily. Lay's arrest is a continuation of the Chinese people's long battle for democratic freedom and human rights, and it's clear that these activists are becoming more and more determined each day. Sean? Yeah, I agree completely with Amber in these instances. Um, It's definitely uh, a blessing in disguise, maybe not even in disguise, but it's a blessing that we have and are able to have freedoms and are able to speak out. But to me, the unfair and harsh treatment of citizens has definitely become something that you can expect out of the East ever since the start of the Soviet Union. I think that one of the main issues is that the people in power in the East, like in China and in Russia, have been willing to do anything because the ends will always be able to justify the means. This was obvious in the Soviet Union for years, and it has sort of become the unofficial slogan for any communist party that has taken root ever since the start of the 20th century. I say this because there's a very similar situation with the political disaster in China that is Russia right now. Uh, Alexei Navalny is almost dead and has been poisoned maybe once or twice and probably will be dead soon just for pointing out the inconsistencies and exploitation that Putin has pitted against the Russian people. Putin has been willing to be corrupt but staying in, by staying in power because he is doing everything for, quote, the security of Russia and the good of the people while he's actively stealing from them. Um, maybe a regime change is necessary right now, but it could also just cause the destruction of the country. And Putin recognizes it and uses that as fear to justify anything that he does. And this is very similar to me, um, to the Uyghur camps in China, as they're putting people that they see as dissents to the party and work camps along with the Uyghur Muslims, um, because they fundamentally disagree with how China is being run at this point. And they're on par with concentration camps, and that's honestly one of the biggest disasters of our time right now. And it's all just for the security of the Chinese Communist Party. The saying, the ends justify the means in this situation is crazy. Yet many supporters of the party are not willing to speak out against it because of the possible repercussions that they face. Very similar to the repercussions that one could face in Russia for speaking out against Putin. It really is a tragic situation, and hopefully true freedoms can be realized soon. Ethan? In order to close everything out, um, as we promised at the end of that first episode of Xi Jinping's China, we went through covering relevant topics from all over the news spectrum in China. We talked about the comeback economy, the reactions to a show, and even a tweet, and compared them to uh, CP6 countries along the way. We even brought into light the three units of AP comparative government that we were highlighting with regards to these stories. To sort of close, I think one of the things to look at with a lot of the stuff that we, we kind of said throughout is that 
Um, it can most many of the actions of the Chinese government can most nearly be compared uh, with Russia and Putin's regime. The way in which the two countries are ruled and what happens are distinct in many ways, um, but there are many similarities in the way situations are handled. However, a lot of the other CP6 countries are a little harder to compare with, and that speaks to the very different political climate in China as opposed to many other places. Um, looking onward to our third and final episode, um, we'll be sort of bringing in our big conclusions and the biggest things that we learned as a result of doing this podcast. I'm sure I can speak for everyone when I say that it has definitely been an interesting experience that, and that we were able to accomplish our goals, and we're just hoping you guys all learned a little something as well as you listened in. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast, Xi Jinping's China, and we hope you tune in next week. Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast, uh, Xi Jinping's China. I'm Amber and I'm here with my co-hosts, Ethan, Noah, Sean, and Maria. Last time we went over Chinese culture, economy, and leadership. Today we're going to be diving into the political culture of China by covering a wide variety of topics ranging from the NBA to Winnie the Pooh to South Park. Along the way, we'll be connecting these topics to AP comparative government themes. Throughout this episode, you'll hear us discussing discussing different topics, dropping knowledge, and debating various issues. All of our discussions are data-driven, and the opinions you hear are rooted in evidence and first-hand experiences. In this episode, we're going to have a strong focus on censorship and what that looks like in the Chinese government, as well as what impacts it has on its people. Let's get into it. So to start us off, I wanted to bring up a popular story that arose a couple of years ago regarding the NBA. LeBron James has a history of refusing to make uh, political statements when he's called to speak. First, he refused to state his opinion on the verdict of the killing of Tamir Rice, sparking outrage among activists and reporters. Three years later, James was under fire for his response to pro-democracy protests occurring in China. When he was asked for his response to the protests, James states that we have to just be careful what we tweet and say, and we do. Even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be a lot of negative that comes with that too. And his vague re- answer was not the reaction that people were hoping for. Around the same time, the Rockets general manager made a post saying, Flight for freedom, stand for Hong Kong. That was a clear and bold statement, which the American reporters loved. However, this tweet got the Rockets games banned in China. Not only that, but the Rockets merchandise and sportswear were immediately banned from sale as well. James's refusal to make bold statements to the press may indicate a fear of the culture of censorship that exists so heavily in China. There have been threats of breaking the endorsements for basketball players with Chinese companies and a heavy regulation of media regarding all things NBA. These threats became more than a problem with activism, but bring companies to question if it's worth losing millions of dollars in revenue to speak their minds on certain issues. This brings in the idea of capitalism, where businesses have to be cautious not to lose money no matter what the cause may be. The NBA has to walk a very thin line when it comes to what they say and what they do. This explains James's hesitancy to make a bold statement, something that many Americans don't understand. Um, In America, the freedom of speech is not readily questioned, except in certain situations that may arise. We don't face censorship on a day-to-day basis as much as the Chinese do. We can see that in China, it's entirely different. Um, human rights are at stake, causing businesses, business relations with China and the United States to flail. Many, un- many dislike LeBron James's response to the situation in China, but fail to understand the consequences that may have come with him making a different statement. Now we're going to hear from Ethan. 
moving sort of to a lighter segment, um, I'm going to be bringing up South Park, actually. So after seeing the criticism that the Chinese government faced, along with the major U.S. corporations that face in this particular instance, in the NBA instance, uh, in late 2019, the creators of South Park, Trey Stone and Matt Parker, decided to criticize the Chinese Communist Party by making it censors part of a satire of its episodes called Banned in China. Uh, this episode made fun of the many U.S. corporations that were not willing to take a stand against the censorship that's extremely prevalent in China, along with the obviously um, terrible camps that were within like the same league as concentration camps. Um, they really dig into uh, Disney along with uh, the NBA and are, were ultimately successful in getting themselves banned in China. Uh, the episode starts off with Randy Marsh, the main protagonist, trying to get more money for his newfound marijuana farm. He put two and two together and thought that with all the people in China, he should be able to go ahead and get a giant market there. He ends up traveling to China and finds out that there's a lot of people with the same exact idea, including LeBron James, James Harden, and Thor. And after landing in China, he obviously gets arrested because he's carrying marijuana and ends up getting put in jail but it's more like a propagated work camp where they're forced to uh do the communist party communist party's biddings and winnie the pooh is actually one of the prisoners along with him and he speaks out against the government after because he's saying that you shouldn't be treating these people like this randy marsh is in general a very naive character in this and he ends up changing the minds of the Chinese Communist Party, but angers Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse really wants all the money that China would bring to him. And in order to atone, atone for his mistakes, Randy ends up murdering Winnie the Pooh. Obviously, this is satire, but after all this, China was banned South Park from everything and will never uh, make another appearance in China again. And honestly, it made me respect the creators of South Park a whole lot more. And after getting banned, this is the statement that they released on Twitter satirizing the situation, saying, quote, like the NBA, we welcome the Chinese censors into our homes and into our hearts. We too love money more than freedom and democracy. Chi doesn't look like Winnie the Pooh at all. Tune into our 300th episode this Wednesday at 10. Long live the great Communist Party of China. May this autumn sorghum harvest be bountiful. We good now, China? Unquote. And obviously, these are some smart, pretty funny guys with principles, and I respect them a lot. I was really proud to see these guys take a stand to the very oppressive regime that seemingly, um, it seems to be, they are the only people that thought that the principles of freedom were uh, bigger than money. So, Maria, what do you think about this whole situation? So, I mean, this shouldn't really be surprising that China has banned not only this episode, but has made most South Park episodes and reviews unavailable online in China. In this episode, we see Randy mocking the Communist Party, something that the Chinese government obviously does not want their people to learn about and act in that same way. As we all know, China, China does not want their people to voice their opinions and go against the government, something we are so used to doing here in America and the protests present in several other countries, such as in the United Kingdom, protesting now um, the kill the bill protests and they've been occurring in the past month or so china is not a democracy as we've already previously stated it does not want the people to interfere with the government south park was blocked on all platforms especially on social media which again should be no surprise 
When I lived in China a few years ago, I specifically remember I really didn't feel any of this authoritarian government in my daily life, but it did affect what I was able to watch on TV and what I was able to access. I remember we weren't allowed to watch YouTube, Netflix, Google, or use Facebook, as in you literally could not look it up when you opened a browsing source. You needed a VPN, a virtual private network, to allow you to access these network sources that were inaccessible for the public internet. From the public internet, sorry. If we just think about all that there is on the internet, all that we can access on Google, if Chinese people have access to all this information, they're obviously not going to abide by the government. They're instead going to start questioning why Xi Jinping's regime acts the way they act, and why they have such little individuality and differences when it comes to their political views. In a way, Chinese people's lives are so much simpler. We are used to questioning everything, and we are actually encouraged from a young age to have an opinion. But in China, it's the complete opposite. I remember seeing firsthand how important it was for Chinese parents that their children acted the same way that others acted, and for them to not stand out against their other classmates. Moreover, as we saw in the episode, um, Xi Jinping is actually compared to Winnie the Pig, and um, Piglet states that they're actually having to ban the episode because Xi Jinping didn't like that comparison. Um, and that's actually kind of funny if you look at it from our perspective, because memes are something that were that are so common in our countries. Um, like, how many memes have we seen about Boris Johnson's hair and about Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador and even Donald Trump's hair? This is common in democratic countries. However, Xi Jinping does not agree and does not want that to happen in his country. His response to something he doesn't like or something that he doesn't want is to simply block it. And I mean, he has the power to do so and the power to blind his people. And so he does this exact thing. Yeah, those are some great points, Maria. Um, as a fan of South Park myself, it's so interesting uh, for me to see the impact this episode had, both in America and in China. Regardless of whether you enjoy the show and its type of comedy or not, this episode is an incredibly smart and witty take, not only on their situation, but on the overall relations between China and America, and Chinese and American companies as a whole. For those of you looking to get a better understanding of Chinese-American relations and censorship in China, I would recommend watching this episode uh, and really just uh, taking it in and realizing the creative take they take on it. The crass humor may not appeal to you, but the insight it provides is wonderful. Even on the second and third watch-throughs of the episode, many of the jokes have gone right over my head. But I think that studying China as a CP6 country and as a nation has made it easier for me to understand some of the jokes found within the episode. Maria, I think it's so interesting that you have first-hand understanding of how China operates as a nation to its people as you lived there when you were younger. It's crazy to think about how much work you had to put in just to watch Netflix or use Google. It's a whole different world to me. And I think that um, after studying this, we shouldn't take what we have here in America for granted. And we should appreciate the levels of freedom we have. While we do have a lot of issues, I think it's important to understand where we stand in the world and the type of freedoms we have that other countries don't get to enjoy. Now we're moving on to our third segment. So yeah, in this segment, it's, we're getting a little bit more serious, moving away from cartoons, um, talking yet again about freedoms in China. So in the last week, we've actually found out that Jimmy Lei was sentenced to 14 months for pre-democracy protests in Hong Kong after being found guilty of unauthorized assembly. 
Jimmy Lay, founder of the Apple Daily, Daily Tabloid of age 73, was one of the many activists that were found guilty of charges relating to the pro-democracy protests that occurred three years ago in 2019. He was an avid critic of Beijing, Hong Kong, and mainland, China, mainland Chinese leadership. In Hong Kong, he is seen as a hero, but in the mainland, he is viewed as a traitor who threatens Chinese national security. I mean, this really shouldn't be no surprise again. Um, the people in China are reading filtered um, filtered news sources and filtered articles that the government wants them to see. So it's obvious that he's going to be seen kind of as a malicious um, character in the mainland. This verdict of his sentencing comes after the mainland is continuing to, continuing to restrict rights and freedoms in Hong Kong. Earlier this week, he published a handwritten letter from prison in the Apple Daily, which read, It is our quote as journalists to seek justice. As long as we are not blinded by unjust temptations, as long as we do not let evil get its way through us, we are fulfilling our responsibility. Clearly, Mr. Lay does not fear the government. It actually goes on to gain confidence in more efforts to fight back against their censorships and restrictions. Martin Lee, another man of age 82, the oldest defendant, is considered the father of democracy in Hong Kong, as he is the founding chairman of the Democratic Party. He was also tried for this exact reason. The court was actually filled with several supporters, surprisingly. Margaret N.G., another man of age 73, a barrister who served as a lawmaker for several decades, delivered a speech adding a powerful quote from Thomas More, who was executed by King Henry VII. She said, I stand the law as good servant, but the people's first. For the law must serve the people, not the people the law. This really impacted the field court and again was reciprocated by applause. The judge's response was that all actions have consequences, independent from who the said people tried are. In addition to their charges for the 2019 protests, the pro-democracy campaigners were also, already, were also found guilty of unauthorized assembly earlier this month. They argued that freedom of assembly is protected under Hong Kong's constitution. However, the prosecution argued that freedom of assembly was not absolute in Hong Kong. Freedom in absolute is when there is nothing that can hold you back from acting in that certain way. The law enacted in June by Beijing was a response to the protests that turned violent in 2019. This law is said to target sedition and bring stability. Since the law was enacted, around 100 people have been arrested. Yeah, thanks Maria for all that great insight um, on that situation. Um, in other recent news in China, um, we now move over to the economy. Despite everything that has been going on, China's economy has actually grown 18.3% in the first quarter of 2021. This is a strong sign that there is a comeback brewing in regards to the economy. With this comeback will come the historical fuel of this growth, burning coal, gas, and oil. So this will again bring to the forefront grappling with the problem of climate change. China has promised to freeze the growth in its emissions by 2030 and is hoping to freeze them even earlier, I think by 2025 or 2028 is what the article said. Um, EU nations are also encouraging China to halt funding of new power plants in poorer countries because they believe if more countries go down the, quote, polluting path, the world and environment will suffer. This comeback will no doubt bring that issue into focus again, but in terms of the actual movement, it looks like it will slow down as the year goes on. Nonetheless, this growth is a very good sign for the country as, a whole, as the whole world begins to come out of the other side of the pandemic, and I'm sure President Xi will be looking to continue this growth for years to come. Amber and Sean, what do you guys think about these current events? 
Yeah, so in regards to Jimmy Lai's arrest, um, I think that this tells us a lot about the Chinese uh, government and how they handle questions towards authority. Uh, Lei was not the only one found guilty of charges relating to the pro-democracy demonstrations, and as he says, it's, he believes that it's his responsibility to seek justice. In the United States, we think of freedom as a, uh, of speech as a right rather than a privilege. Uh, we can easily go online and say of our opinion, or go to a protest and fight for what we believe in without the fear of, of facing harsh repercussions from the government. In China, though, it's completely different. While there were some supporters um, for those who were tried, the government was strict with their verdict. In China, some rights and freedoms are protected, however, they're not guaranteed. We've gone in a little bit into depth about how this political climate is similar to that of Russia's. This is seen so clearly here, where the constitution and the laws are e easily malleable, and the government can use it to their liking. This event also demonstrates a large shift in the political climate of China. Just a few months ago, Hong Kong's ruling was much different than that of the rest of China's. Hong Kong used to have many freedoms that the rest of China lacked. Now Xi Jinping has, made, has clearly made the executive decision that Hong Kong will be ruled like the rest of China, with no room for debating the government ideals. Following the rest, supporters of the sentenced uh, Democratic protesters showed their support by buying co copies of the Apple Daily. Lei's arrest is a continuation of the Chinese people's long battle for democratic freedom and human rights, and it's clear that these activists are becoming more and more determined each day. Sean? Yeah, I agree completely with Amber in these instances. Um, it's definitely uh, a blessing in disguise, maybe not even in disguise, but it's a blessing that we have and are able to have freedoms and are able to speak out. But to me, the unfair and harsh treatment of citizens has definitely become something that you can expect out of the East ever since the start of the Soviet Union. I think that one of the main issues is that the people in power in the East, like in China and in Russia, have been willing to do anything because the ends will always be able to justify the means. This was obvious in the Soviet Union for years, and it has sort of become the unofficial slogan for any communist party that has taken root ever since the start of the 20th century. I say this because there's a very similar situation with the political disaster in China that is Russia right now. Uh, Alexei Navalny is almost dead and has been poisoned maybe once or twice and probably will be dead soon just for pointing out the inconsistencies and exploitation that Putin has pitted against the Russian people. Putin has been willing to be corrupt but staying in, by staying in power because he is doing everything for quote, the security of Russia and the good of the people while he's actively stealing them. Um, maybe a regime change is necessary right now, but it could also just cause the destruction of the country. And Putin recognizes it and uses that as fear to justify anything that he does. And this is very similar to me, um, to the Uyghur camps in China, as they're putting people that they see as dissents to the party and work camps along with the Uyghur Muslims, um, because they fundamentally disagree with how China is being run at this point, and they're on par with concentration camps, and that's honestly one of the biggest disasters of our time right now, and it's all just for the security of the Chinese Communist Party. The saying the ends justify the means in this situation is crazy, yet many supporters of the party are not willing to speak out against it because of the possible repercussions that they face, very similar to the repercussions that one can face in Russia for speaking out against Putin. It really is a tragic situation, and hopefully, true freedoms can be realized soon. Ethan? So we're going to close everything out. Um, as we promised at the end of that first episode of Xi Jinping's China, we went through covering relevant topics from all over the news spectrum in China. We 
talked about the comeback economy, the reactions to a show, and even a tweet, and compare them to uh, CPSIG countries along the way. We even brought to light the three units of AP comparative government that we were highlighting with regards to these stories. To sort of close, I think one of the things to look at with a lot of the stuff that we, we kind of said throughout is that um, it can most many of the actions of the Chinese government can most nearly be compared uh, with Russia and Putin's regime. The way in which the two countries are ruled and what happens are distinct in many ways, um, but there are many similarities in the way situations are handled. However, a lot of the other CP6 countries are a little harder to compare with, and that speaks to the very different political climate in China as opposed to many other places. Um, looking onward to our third and final episode, um, we'll be sort of bringing in our big conclusions and the biggest things that we learned as a result of doing this podcast. I'm sure I can speak for everyone when I say that it has definitely been an interesting experience that, and that we were able to accomplish our goals, and we're just hoping you guys all learned a little something as well as you listened in. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast, Xi Jinping's China, and we hope you tune in next week.